0: Well, thank you again, Jonathan, for your kind words of welcome. Uh, it's great to be with you again this evening, and I hope that this time tomorrow night I'll be able to say the same. Um, but Barra Best and Cecilia Daly have said that there's snow coming, uh, so pray that uh, it not be too bad. Um, but if the road service managed to keep the A4 open and the A5 open, then I will be here. That's my promise to you tonight. So, uh, as I say, I'm really glad to be back again, and I'm enjoying uh, the meetings thus far, and I trust that you are as well. Again, we'll turn to Ephesians 6 this evening, uh, and we'll read this portion of Scripture together. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verses 10 through to 13 remind us of a spiritual warfare that exists between the church and a powerful, relentless enemy called the devil. He uses wiles or tricks to chip away at the faith of the saints and to attack the glory of God. God's command from heaven through his word to his soldiers on the ground is to stand firm against these enemy attacks and to put on the whole armour of God which he supplies. Last night we looked at the first two pieces of that armour which was the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth speaks of a life that is built upon faithfulness to the word of God and to the God of the word. The belt of truth gives the believer stability to make it possible for him to take that stand. The belt of truth also provides a place for the other pieces of the armor to rest upon because unless our lives are rooted and grounded and resting in truth and lived out in truth, then we will not be able to stand in this evil day. The breastplate of righteousness speaks of the robe of Christ's righteousness that was placed upon us at the moment of our conversion. It also speaks of the holy life that will emanate from that imputed righteousness. It speaks of a life that is lived in conformity to the word of God. A holy life will be a powerful defense system against enemy attack because if we allow sin to dwell in our lives, we give Satan a foothold from which he can launch further attacks. Sin in our lives gives Satan the ammunition that he needs to assault the glory of God and to destroy and devastate our testimonies and our reputations but imparted or practical righteousness closes the door to Satan and it protects us in this titanic struggle between good and evil. So tonight we will continue to look at this armor of God by examining here the gospel boots of peace and the shield of faith. First of all, the boots of the gospel of peace. In this war against principalities of powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness, in high places. It is vital that we stand firm against the wiles of the devil, and we do this by putting on this spiritual armor that God will issue us. And to stand firm, we must have the right protection for our feet. Verse 15 tells us what this protection is. It says, having your feet shod or fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In Paul's day, armies mainly engaged in close-quarter battle or hand-to-hand combat. And, And that's what Paul speaks of here. He speaks about wrestling. So sureness of foot was one of the most important qualities in a soldier. And that is what Paul means when he says to stand firm. The Roman soldier wore sandals that were firmly fixed with leather straps around his feet and his ankles. And on the soles of those sandals were hobnails. Hobnails were a short nail with a thick head inserted underneath the sole to give the soldier a firm grip on the ground. The word preparation here in verse 15, it gives us a sense of eagerness and readiness to advance against the enemy. As Christian soldiers, we must have a determination to stand firm and never compromise with God's word. Not only to hold what we have, but a willingness to advance against the devil and to tick the fight to him much like an athlete who has spikes under the soles of his running shoes or a footballer who has studs under the soles of his boots. These nails under the sandals give the soldier a firm footing, but it also gave him greater mobility and increased his sense of readiness and zeal and confidence in the battle. The peace which the gospel produces is peace with God. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 5 and he said therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in contrast to that Isaiah said there is no peace saith the Lord unto the wicked. We live in a miserable and depressing world where abuse and homelessness and assaults and addictions and divorce and suicide are are continually on the rise. So most people are are seeking for peace, there's no doubt about that, but they seek for peace in the wrong things. They seek for satisfaction and comfort and peace in drink or drugs or pornography or extramarital affairs and other types of temporary pleasures and fixes in an attempt to enjoy some form of peace, but it fails every single time. False religion and cults. They also step in to fill this void, offering an easy believism salvation. But of course, this is not the genuine peace that God offers. Many years ago, William Booth of the Salvation Army gave us the marks of this false peace when he said, The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without re- repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God and heaven without hell and of course I think we would all agree that's what we have today even in so-called evangelical churches you could almost say that Booth was a prophet. True peace with God is the the product of the true gospel because it is the gospel alone that deals with our sin and guilt before a holy God. When a man becomes a Christian, this glorious peace becomes a wonderful reality. Some might claim a contradiction here because the moment we become Christians, we enter into the spiritual war. So how can we experience peace but be involved in a war at the same time? Well, peace in this battle is possible for the believer because of three things. The integrity of the cause, the certainty of our victory, and the glory of that awaits us. With this in mind, we enter the battle not only of peace with God, but also with the peace of God, which passes all understanding. So no matter how our circumstances, whether we're going to face death or torture, arrest or ridicule, God's peace dispels our fear. When we put on these gospel boots of peace, the first thing we have here is stability. Many Christians in the world are unstable, Paul was referring to these types of Christians in chapter 4 of this book in verse 14. He said, Be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Unstable people are not grounded in the word of God. And like children, they believe everything that they hear and they're easily led astray because they don't know the truth of God's word. Instability is a serious problem that can hinder or destroy our Christian life. For this reason, the Bible contains many warnings about being unstable. James tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The writer of Hebrews says, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. In other words, be careful what you believe, Christian. Be like the Bereans. Who, when they received the word, they searched the scriptures daily to see if the things that they were being taught were true. Learn the word of God and stand on the gospel of Christ so you know exactly what you do believe. Test everything by the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you will be tossed back and forward until you are finally carried away from God altogether. A well-grounded understanding of the Word of God gives the Christian soldier stability so our faith will not be shaken. Christians must have confidence in life through competence in the Word of God. Many Christians know their way around the apps on their phone or the names of every player in their favourite football team that they idolise and yet they might struggle to name even the books of the Bible. And when a problem arises, They have no idea where to look for the scripture passage that would guide them, help them, and encourage them. Stability is one of the greatest needs among Christians today. Too many of God's people are nothing more than a tumbleweed in the desert being blown around from one church to another church. The gospel must be the foundation of our Christian life, just as our feet are the foundational support for our entire body. No soldier. Who would have landed on the beaches on Normandy and D-Day in 1944 would have landed there without his boots on because his feet would have needed this vital protection, would have needed the stability and the mobility on the long march to Berlin. Likewise, we should continually wear the boots of peace so that wherever we go, we are standing firmly on the gospel. So when you're giving out tracts or witnessing on the street and people try to blow you off course, we will have the stability that we need to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The boots not only provided stability for the soldier in battle, but they also gave him balance. And so we never just obviously wore just one uh, boot into battle. To do so would have thrown him off balance. He knows that he must have both boots on so he can have a good footing and balance as he fights. Satan loves to see unbalanced Christians, those who concentrate completely on one doctrine and ignore the other doctrines in Scripture. Someone may believe passionately on the doctrine of predestination in chapter 1 and verse 5, but may ignore the fact that Paul also said to Titus, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Of course, the Bible teaches both doctrines, and both doctrines need each other in order to be understood. Someone once asked Spurgeon how he reconciled predestination to man's free will, and Spurgeon wisely replied, I do not try to reconcile friends. In order to be balanced, we need a thorough understanding of all that the Bible teaches. Sadly, many believers are content to believe one doctrine because that's what they've always been taught, but they've never ever taken the time to study the Word of God for themselves. When our faith is resting firmly on the truths of the Gospel, we will have a balance and stability on the Christian journey. This balance is vital if we're going to hold our ground against the devil. The devil cannot move the Christian whose faith is resting in all of God's word. The hobnailed boots of the gospel of peace give us not only stability and balance to stand our ground in battle, but also mobility to advance. Even the best equipped and best protected soldier is likely to become a casualty if he stands too long in the wrong place. Even a modern-day undercover army sniper will move location because sooner or later the enemy will work out his position. If you have stability without mobility, then you will be just like one of those lampposts out on the street tonight. A lifeless pillar of steel giving out light, of course, but in a very limited area. And that's what what, what many churches have become today. They are lampposts with no desire to shine the light, Deeper into their communities. The Roman soldier's sandals were designed for mobility as well as for strength and protection. They were light enough for him to move and run quickly and comfortable enough so his feet wouldn't become tired or get blistered. The problem we have in the church today is that believers are standing still. Some denominations have become fossilised and are no longer interested in, in advancing and are just content to, to, to hold what they have. But these gospel boots are designed for walking and running. We wear the boots of the gospel not just to stand our ground, but also to have a firm footing and mobility uh, that we need to advance and to respond to the tactics of the enemy. What hinders the work of God today is, is our unwillingness to change. A lot of people, even God's people, don't like change. Now, of course, this does not mean that we must change our boots because we must never, never, never change or interfere or tamper with the gospel. This is Christ's gospel. This is not our gospel. And it is the power to bring people out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But at times it will be necessary to change our tactics in sharing this wonderful gospel. One of the reasons why there were so many casualties on the first day of the Battle of the Somme was because the British Army were still using 19th century tactics against 20th century weapons. The old generals blindly sent out wave after wave after wave of of, of young men across no man's land only to achieve exactly the same result. Mass slaughter with no ground taken. At times it will be necessary to change our tactics and approach in this spiritual battle so that we can gain new ground. Wars are won and lost when commanders adopt the right tactics. Ireland and you will know this as well as I do, it's rapidly changing today. And there is little point going out onto the streets of our cities and our towns with just English tracts anymore. We need to be armed and our cover filled with many different languages. Take Dungannon for example. You'll need more foreign literature in Dungannon than you will English literature. You see, the method will need to change to reach those types of people, but the message will always, always, always stay the same. Unless we have the mobility to make these changes, the devil will outmaneuver us, just like the Russian army were out, uh, or outmaneuvered the Germans and surrounded the Germans during the Battle of Stalingrad in 1943. 90,000 German soldiers were taken prisoner, when Hitler refused to change his tactics, and only 5,000 of those men survived to make it home. God has given us the means to survive here, and we must put the armour on. When we stand firm on the gospel of peace, God not only gives us stability and balance and mobility, but he also gives us opportunity for ministry. No soldier goes to war without knowing what he is fighting for and without believing in what he is fighting for. As Christian soldiers, we need to keep our mission in mind. We are a church at war, and our mission in this battle is not merely to stand our ground and fight. We must also move forward to spread the gospel. Many of the people the devil uses to attack us are the very people that we need to reach. If the word preparation in verse 15 means eagerness and willingness and readiness, then we must all be willing and ready to witness for Christ. Paul Washer said, we can get all excited about missions, but do you witness to the person sitting next to you? I think that quote could probably, probably make us all feel uncomfortable. And that is why we must have the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and only then will we be ready to witness to the postman or the amazon delivery driver or the hairdresser or the barber or indeed the person we sit next to in the doctor's surgery remember our adversary here is the devil and not the poor lost souls that he has blinded and when we wear the gospel boots of peace We are ambassadors of reconciliation, bringing a message of peace to a dying world, just as the Lord Jesus brought uh, to the dying world here the message of peace also. The Bible says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He is able to bring peace between nations, between communities, between neighbours and between families. All sinners are at war with God and it is our wonderful privilege to bring them the gospel of peace. Paul said, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The feet that wear the boots of peace are beautiful because they carry the message of peace. So I wonder, friend, tonight, are you wearing these boots of peace? Are you ready to share the gospel with others? God will give you the opportunities, but you must be prepared and you must be ready to go. The type of soldier who will be victorious on the battlefield is the one who is stable and balanced, who has good mobility and who uses every opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. If you have the boots of peace strapped to your feet, then you will be this type of soldier. So we have the boots of peace here. But we also want to look tonight at the shield of faith. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The words above all remind us that we need all the armor of God. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the boots of peace. They're all vital, but they're still not enough. So God provides three other pieces of equipment. We wear the first three on the body, but the second three, including the shield of faith, we are told here to take. During the war in Afghanistan, a platoon of British soldiers may have been involved in a firefight with the Taliban, but when there was a lull in the battle, there was a brief opportunity for the British soldiers to return to barracks and to get some rest. The men won't be holding their rifles or wearing their helmets whilst resting within the safety of the the barracks. But the moment that the enemy becomes active again, they will grab their rifles, they will grab their helmets, and they will take them into the battle. And Paul is saying this, some of the armour we wear, but some of the armour we take. The Roman shield was like a small door. It was about four and a half feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. It was designed to protect the entire body of the soldier. It was made of solid wood and its surface was covered with leather and metal. Whenever possible, the soldier would have dipped his shield in water and all of this acted as a fireproof defense against the fiery darts or or the flaming arrows of the enemy. The arrows were deadly, having uh, metal tips wrapped around with an inflammable material which was set alight before they were fired into the air towards their target. They were designed not only to penetrate, but also to burn and to cause terrible injury. Against these burning missiles, the shield was the only adequate defence. In this spiritual warfare that we are in, our enemy, the devil, will constantly bombard us with these fiery darts. And sometimes these attacks will come all at once at us just like a huge squadron of Luftwaffe bombers screaming towards London during the blitz Job experienced this type of onslaught when his farm buildings and livestock and family were all taken out in the one day Satan on that occasion thought that he'd taken everything from Job but to Job God was his everything Satan has a well-stocked arsenal and his quiver is full of ammunition. At all times, we must never forget that we are not wrestling here with flesh and blood, but with Satan and his demons. When Paul describes these fiery darts, he's not just using picturesque language here. No, this is a very accurate description. All Christians experience these attacks, whether they have recently been saved or whether they've been saved for many, many years. The story is even told of Martin Luther, who on one occasion was so aware of the presence of the devil in his study that he actually picked up his ink pot and threw it at him. Notice too that these arrows are shot at us, and they do not originate from within us. One of the main aims of the devil in shooting these arrows is to hammer us into despair. You see, he wants us to believe that if we are thinking and feeling in a certain way, then we can't possibly be saved. Sometimes he shoots them when we're lying in bed or driving the car or even reading the Bible or praying or worshipping or even listening to a sermon and our concentration just goes. You might be struggling to concentrate right now. These are satanic assaults. Assaults uh, at us and arrows shot into our minds to prevent us benefiting from the scriptures and spending time in God's presence. These are different types of darts. There are, there are darts of fear. But, of course, faith and fear do not belong in the same heart. Uh, and when we become fearful, we lose our faith in the Lord's ability to help us. And then there is the dart of doubt. We doubt God's word. We doubt other people. We even doubt our own salvation. And this is Satan planting the seeds of doubt within us. And then there is the dart of words. Filthy, wicked, disgusting words start to sneak into our minds and then by far the worst dart of all is the dart of evil thoughts that come to us thoughts that i could not even mention from this pulpit and thoughts that we would be too embarrassed too ashamed to admit d our dr Martinoid jones said the devil has often plagued some of the noblest saints with blasphemous thoughts blasphemous thoughts about god and blasphemous thoughts about the lord jesus christ Horrible and horrifying thoughts, and what he hopes and trusts will happen is that the saint under attack will assume that they are his own thoughts and begin to doubt whether he is a Christian at all. Or the devil may hurl words or phrases and oaths and horrible language at the Christian. His mind may appear to be, to be filled with these things, but none of them arise from the believer himself. They may come from the devil who is trying to shake him trying to confuse him, trying to persuade him that he is not a Christian and that he would never was a Christian. Satan's darts hit suddenly, without warning. They spread very quickly and we burn so easily. And when this happens, we need to ask God for the strength to scatter these thoughts from our minds by using the shield of faith. The shield of faith not only presents or prevents the fiery darts from hitting us, but also stops the fire here from spreading. Paul used the shield to illustrate the believer's faith in God. This is practical, everyday faith, which says, "I will, I will not rely on myself, but I will trust in God to give me the victory." This is a faith that will overcome Satan and his forces. Peter said, "Be sober." Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion. He walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in in your brethren that are in the world. So, you are not alone. Every brother and sister around the world is under the same attack in the same way, and the same advice applies to all God's soldiers. At all costs, we must resist the devil and stand firm by holding up the shield of faith. A perfect example of this of course was in Matthew chapter 4 when the devil shot his darts at Christ in the wilderness and Christ responded in faith. So when the devil shoots his darts at us and says something like God does not love you then you can respond by putting up your shield and saying nothing shall separate us from the love of God. When under attack, we must stand firm and respond quickly. That's the boots. We must apply the truth. That's the belt. And we must trust solely upon the righteousness of Christ. That's the breastplate. Faith is what we believe, but faith always acts, and its primary action is to point to Almighty God and away from ourselves. Satan wants us to look at ourselves all the time and compare ourselves to other people. You know, if you think that because you go to the prayer meeting more often than others do, or your children are better behaved than others are, or you take communion than others do, that you're better than other Christians because of that, then congratulations, because now the dart of pride has struck you. The proverb says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, and we all know what else God calls an abomination. So God puts pride on the same level as sodomy. At other times, we struggle to resist temptation, and we wonder if we're really saved at all. Again, the darts of doubt have hit the mark But do not despair, friend, because God's remedy is always the shield of faith. Faith will always bring us back to God and to his precious promises. Abraham was strengthened in his faith by believing the promise of God and giving glory to God. His eyes were fixed, not upon himself or his strength or his weaknesses, but on God. In a vision, God told him, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. Faith reminded Abraham of the promise and caused him to trust the Promiser. God makes the same promises to all his people. When David came under attack and his enemy said that God wouldn't help him, David knew much better. And he said in Psalm 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. He also said in Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. We must all have the same confidence as David because the proverb says that God is a shield unto them who put their trust in him. And that includes all believers. If your faith is rooted and grounded in God, you have lifted the shield between you and the devil. In the riots during the Troubles, and many of them took place just up the road in Londonderry, The brave men of the RUC stood firm in at least two ranks. The first rank held their shields out in front of them. The second rank held their shields above the head of their colleagues in the front rank and above their own heads as well. And it was an invincible barrier from bricks and bottles and petrol bombs. This is the way that the Roman soldiers advanced on their enemies as well. They sought protection behind and under their shields in the heat of battle. And sometimes this wall of shields butted together stretched as much as a mile wide. As Christian soldiers we are also to seek protection behind our shields which is faith in the power and the promises of the Lord. An impregnable barrier to Satan's darts. Enemy arrows and swords and spears are useless against this tactic. Not only does the shield protect the soldier, but it also protects the armour. The words above all here means faith is of supreme importance. The other parts of the armour won't function properly without faith. We, When we put on the belt of truth, we, we place our faith in the God of truth. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, it shows that we have the faith to believe that our God is holy and righteous and just. And when we put on the boots of peace, we have faith in the gospel. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit and prayer, they all depend on faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. The faith that Paul speaks of here is simple faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ who brought us salvation and that will lead us uh, lead to blessing and provision and strength to walk with him. Faith is vital to the Christian life because we cannot be saved apart from faith in God. For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. Our Christian life is built upon a belief that God is and blesses those who place their faith in him. Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's why Satan attacks our faith. He will do everything he can to keep you from reading the word, from kneeling in prayer, and he will plague you with worry and confusion. The shield of faith is always to the front in every battle, so that you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And notice here it says in verse 16, all the fiery darts. Satan is no strategy or tactic or bomb or bullet that God cannot equip you to deal with. When our faith is firmly in Christ, it isn't someone who cannot fail. We are on the side that has already won. And so I wonder, friend, tonight, are you on the Lord's side this evening? Not only does the shield of faith protect the soldier and the armor, but it also unites the soldiers. You see, when those soldiers butted and locked their shields together to form that solid wall. No enemy could withstand such a solid mobile fortress as it marched forward and advanced. Because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God wants us to be united in his truth, to love each other, to walk with each other, to stand up for one another, and to fight side by side against our common enemy. Sadly, however, too many Christians spend so much time polishing and bragging about their shields that they've forgotten how to use them. We're all trying to fight our own battles and do our own thing. But just think about what we could achieve if we locked our shields together and advanced against the enemy. The enemy of transgenderism, the enemy of abortion, the enemy of sodomy, the enemy of apostasy and the enemy of false teaching. When Peter told us of the roaring lion, it was a warning to us not to attempt to fight this lion on our own. We must close ranks. We must lock our shields together. The psalmist said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What a privileged people we are to be able to wear the whole armour of God, but especially to hold up the shield of faith. Remember, these fiery darts do not originate in us. They are shot at us by the enemy. And the main target is our mind. If the devil can affect the way that we think, then he will triumph. Everything we do is controlled by our mind. Before our lips would lie or gossip, our mind has already given birth to those thoughts. So we need to be on our guard because at all times we can allow ourselves to get into situations where sin will be inevitable. If you follow a certain type of person on Twitter, or you watch a certain film or listen to round-the-clock BBC news, this will affect your thinking. The cause of this is not the fiery darts of the devil, but our own willful disobedience. And we have chosen to click on that image or switch on that TV channel, and the remedy is not the shield of faith at all, but repentance and obedience to the will and the word of God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But whether it's the fiery darts of Satan or our own disobedience, the mind is under constant attack. And to prevent this, the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The only way we can live as a Christian is to think as a Christian. The only way to think as a Christian is to spend time, more time, with Christ in prayer and in Bible study. If our minds are full of Christ, then there will be no room for Satan, and his fiery darts will not breach our shield of faith. We take up the shield of faith, not by trying to work up some sort of spiritual feeling, but by fleeing to God when the devil attacks. Faith always leads us straight to God and makes it possible to live as a Christian in this wicked world. But faith needs to be nurtured and fed, and this is accomplished only in the presence of God. The shield of faith is simply trusting in God, saturating yourself in his word and prayer and believing in him for all things. But there was one other use here for the Roman shield. When the Roman soldier did get injured, his colleagues used his shield as a stretcher to carry him off the battlefield to safety and security where they could then tend to his injuries. It has often been said, sadly, that the Christian army is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. So we need to be more like the Roman soldier. We need to show more love, more compassion, more forgiveness, more understanding to a fallen comrade. We need to tend to their wounds. We need to pray them back to health because one day it could be me or one day it could be you that has fallen in the battle. If you are a Christian soldier wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places, your shield of faith will one day carry you off the battlefield altogether and home to glory, and into the very presence of God, and into eternal safety. If you're not a Christian soldier, but would love more than anything to be on the Lord's side, to escape hell and get to heaven, then you must come to Christ, and come to Christ tonight. Repent of your sin, and trust in him alone to be your Lord, and to be your Savior. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. God says, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why, why, why will ye die?